This is Disney Forever. Welcome to our perpetual Disney movie investigation podcast. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie, who has amazing pull quotes like this. You vicious little wench. <laughs> Today's feature presentation, once again, kinda, is The Parent Trap. This one, though, is from 1961, unlike the other one we watched a couple of weeks ago from 1998. And this movie is insanely similar to the other one we watched. Like, we'll get into some other stuff here, but we have to address this up front, right? Yeah, it's a little terrifying. Like, the, when the moment the movie started, I was like, okay, this is the same film. But I mean, like, we're watching it backwards, so it's a little awkward. Where we're like, oh, this is the same movie as the one we already watched. When in reality, it's like, oh, the one we watched is the exact same as this one since this one was first. Exactly. But I feel like we won't have as much to talk about with the plot for this one. Because it's it's not a one-to-one shot remake um, the one that we just watched, but like the plot and the scenes, they, they almost map one-to-one with each other. Like it follows, it's not just the premise, right? Cause usually if you have a remake, you take the premise and then you kind of do a new twist on it and you change it for the times and you expand it or you contract it or you switch things up. This is not that like they took the movie and the plot and each plot beat. And it is in the 1998 version that we just watched. So a lot of our observations here are just like, it was the same. Here's some stuff that's different. So that's why I wanted to preface it with all of that. That's really funny. It is. It's true, though. So, okay, so this is the original, right? This one came first, so it gets credit for that. It It's where, like, the plot came from and everything, even though it was adapted from a novel, but whatever. Um, but this one was in 1961, and I pulled a little bit of history about it just because, again, I felt like we didn't have as much to talk about for the plot because it's so similar. But this starred Haley Mills, And I talked to my mom about this because she was a little girl when this one came out. Um, And she said that Haley Mills was like an idol for all the girls at the time. It's who all of the girls wanted to be. And she remembers this from elementary school, like, you know, just idolizing Haley Mills. And so Haley Mills, this was her second film for Disney out of like five or six that she got a contract to do with them. So she was going to release like one each summer. And it, um, the parent trap was nominated for two Academy Awards, and it had three TV sequels that I had no idea existed. Did you know that, Katie? What the hell? I didn't even know it was nominated for an Academy Award. This is ridiculous. I know. That's why I pulled some history. So the Parent Trap 2 from 1986, Parent Trap 3, where they they dropped the word the from the title for some reason, but that's from 1989, and then Parent Trap Hawaiian Honeymoon from 1989. I, like... I don't even know what to say about that. They sound like made-for-TV movies, that's for sure. It does not sound good <laughs> at all. Like, I don't... They came out with the parent... Sorry, Parent Trap 3 without the... And then Parent Trap Hawaiian Honeymoon in the same year. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there, but we're going to have to investigate that at some point. No. Um. Yeah, that's in our future. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Uh, that's coming for us at some point. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention from like the production and the technology side that I thought was really interesting was that they didn't use chroma key for this, which was really like one of the main compositing things at the time. And honestly, it, chroma key is like one of the main compositing things we use now today. But in modern day production, our chroma key technology is so much better than it was back then. Um, but for this movie specifically, 
they used this proprietary technology that Disney had invented called sodium vapor compositing. And I have no idea how it works, but apparently it worked way better than chroma key at the time. So once Walt Disney saw how this movie was coming in and he was seeing like the dailies and the selects and some of the early versions of that special effect, he was so impressed that he went back to them and said, rewrite parts of this script to use more of it and take out a bunch of the body double stuff that they were planning on doing because it worked so well. So I thought that was really cool. What the hell? Yeah, because like you can look at Chroma stuff from the early 60s and it's rough. Like you can tell that it's, I mean, it's green screen, right? Like that's really what we're talking about. And this didn't use green screen. This used a different compositing technique altogether. Um, It's just, it's really interesting. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention up front is Let's Get Together, which is like the main musical number from this, which we'll talk about more later. I have thoughts there, but Haley Mills did a single of this song and like released it. So it went out on the radio and it was credited to Haley Mills and Haley Mills, which is funny because she plays both parts, but it reached number eight on the U.S. charts at the time, which is just ridiculous to me. I, I don't, I don't even know what to say because like, you know how you said you talked to your mom about this movie, right? I did the same thing and talked to my dad because my dad was like a kid uh, when this film came out and he was telling me about how Haley Mills was she was like the it girl for Disney during the time because like they had the people that were part of like the Mickey Mouse Club right yeah during this time frame but then there was like Haley Mills and she was this wholesome like everyday girl that every little girl wanted to grow up into so like it doesn't like I'm shocked about the song thing, but I'm also like not surprised that it reached so high because everybody loved Haley Mills during that time. I know that like later on in her career, she did um, a movie or something where she showed her boob, like part of a boob or one of them, and then Disney dropped her so fast. <laughs> wow. That's okay. There's some more history. Yeah, I feel like the history around this one is super interesting. I, I'm just, my mind is blown a little bit. Okay, good. I'm glad that I got to blow your mind with a little bit of the history. So a high level from this one. And again, we know the plots. We're not going to talk much about that. But what do you think of it, Katie? Well, I said that it kind of scared me how similar the films were because it was just, I mean, that's similar. They were like exactly the same. I will say, though, that the camp stuff was way shorter in this one. You're right. Um. And the time that it took for them to realize that they're twins was, like, right off the bat. Like, they saw each other over the milk cartons and were like, WTF, and then <laughs> moved on. Whereas, like, in the first one, it took... Not the first one. God. In the 1998 <laughs> one, it took forever for them to figure out that they were, like, the same person. Yeah, we brought this on ourselves by doing these out of order. Yeah. We should have gone the other way around. We, but hey, we learned our lesson. You know what? Lindsay Lohan deserved to be first. I'm just saying. She did. I agree with that, actually. Um, but I will say, like, the number one thing that bugged the absolute crap out of me this entire movie is I hated the way that girls and women talk in this movie and other movies in the 1960s. Because if you listen to the way they, they speak, it's this, like always sort of this damsel in distress kind of like tone to their voice where they like need somebody to rescue them. Yeah. 
It's like, bad. It's just not good. And like whenever they're shocked or whatever at something, it's like, oh, golly, gee, oh, my kind of like expression. And it's like, no, honey, you no, you you don't need no man. You don't. You really, really don't. You don't. I agree. I agree with you, Katie. I I mean, there's there's a bunch off about that throughout the whole thing. And it's this current of like 60s, early 60s sexism that just runs through the entire movie. Yeah, it hurts. Hurts a lot. It's bad. But again, that we, we got to acknowledge it when we go back to the Disney back catalog, right? There's yeah. there's stuff like that throughout it. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the early 60s sexism bugged me a bunch as I was watching this movie. And then also there's a bunch of ageism in there too, both directions. Things where like people are in their 40s and they're like, oh my gosh, you're like, you're so old, you're ancient. And then people who are like, you know, in their mid-teens and they're treating them like little kids that can't do anything. Um, So both ends of the ageism spectrum really bothered me in this. Uh, So those were like two of the things that stuck out to me. But yeah, the, the big thing is that it's essentially the same plot as the other one. It's so beat for beat, the same plot. The one thing that stuck out to me right away is that there's no England and there's no English accent in this one, which I love about the Lindsay Lohan one. I went into this movie assuming that one of them was going to be British. <laughs> Me too. And she wasn't. She was one was from Boston and one from, was from California. But the one from Boston didn't sound like a Boston girl. Like I thought they would at least do something with the accents to try to accentuate that. But it didn't seem like they did. I would have stuck her more like Upper East Side, like Soho, kind of like Manhattan, New York girl, 100% more than anything. Yeah, I agree. I I think that's kind of the accent they were going for. So I don't know why they said Boston instead of, yeah, like Manhattan. Like that would have been much more fitting for what they went for with this one. Um, So moments from the film... Again, it's a lot of the same moments. I, I had a couple things in here. There's the housekeeper in California. I don't remember what her name was because they didn't characterize her very well. But she has this thing where she just loves gossip. But she keeps saying, I'm not saying a word while she's talking out the other side of her mouth and gossiping. And I loved it every single time. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying a word. I'm not saying a word. And then she just says all of this gossip. And it it shouldn't have made me laugh because it was such like a dumb joke. But it, it worked. Oh my god, I'm I'm I don't gossip, but like at the same time, like I love hearing gossip. I live for gossip, but I try not to spread gossip, so I get it. Yeah, um, and then one of the other things was the the stop motion opening was kind of interesting. It was this like animated opening, and I always forget that there's some point in there around the I don't know when it happens. It's got to be like 60s or 70s where all of the credits move from the front of the movie to the end of the movie. And we're so used to our modern day where like all the credits happen at the end, except for maybe a couple in the opening sequence. Um, But movies, when you go farther back, the entire credits roll at the beginning, or there's like an, an intro sequence that gives you the whole credits. And this movie is one of those. And so the whole opening is this like weird stop animation with these like cupids. What did you think of that, Katie? They literally gave away the entire film in the opening sequence. Yeah. It was so frustrating. Like, I called that out immediately, and my dad was like, look, people back then weren't that sophisticated. And I was like, God, Dad, that's rude. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, Dad, you were there back then. I was like, so you're calling yourself not sophisticated. This movie came out in 61. My dad was born in 52. I was like, Dad, you watched this movie. I know you did. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, and then, uh, the other thing for moments that stuck out to me was the let's get together, like that whole song number. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the song was bad. And it's not that I like dislike the song or the music in general, but the one playing the guitar, I guess it's still Haley Mills. They're both Haley Mills. But when she's playing the guitar, she doesn't even remotely try to look like she's actually playing the guitar. Like these days when we have a movie, you give somebody like the basic lessons for an instrument. And then if they're still bad at it, you hide their hands or use body doubles to make it look like they know what they're doing. They didn't do any of that. She just like has her hand generally in the area of strumming the guitar and it's like barely even touching it. And the music is just playing like she's perfectly playing. It threw me out of the movie in a way that nothing else did. Oh my God. (laughs) It did. I couldn't unsee it. As soon as I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. That is so bad. So, so, so bad. Yeah. Anything else that stood out to you? Um, I don't know. I just It was like all a mishmash of like me being thrown because of how similar, like how it's the exact same movie I've already seen. So it was just like, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into the bad and the good about it. So the bad, I feel like again like the overall plot i thought was still good but like there's a bunch of stuff that we kind of mentioned a lot of it right like that early 60s sexism and ageism that's throughout the whole film there's also like some domestic violence and the thing that threw me about it was that it was so casual that like there was no huge consequence or reaction or anything it just happened and then they moved on and that's like really troubling to my modern sensibilities so there's there's an ex-wife and she just punches her husband at one point and it's just kind of like yeah that's the way it is and they just move on with the day um and then when the the gold digging like future wife is there and she gets pissed off and she's about to leave she just slaps one of the kids like full force like in the face slap and everyone's just kind of like okay and they just let it go like I, I just don't understand that, like, casual level of domestic violence. Like, that that was really, really bad. I, I don't want to say that this is, like, a product of its time. Like, thinking that maybe, I don't... It absolutely was. I mean, you're right. It was. Oh, I just wish that I could feel better about the 60s, but I can't. I know. And I... It, as we're doing some of these 60s movies... I think we're going to run into more stuff like this that really sticks out to us as being in your face bad in a bunch of ways. Um, There's also this kind of like obsession with looks and physical characteristics of people as a measure of their character that's really disheartening. And it it goes back to some of the sexism that we talked about um, and some of the ageism too, honestly. But it's just like equating people's worth to the way they look I, it just, it just feels bad. The whole thing feels bad. And again, none of this is like the center of the plot or the focus of the movie, but it's this current throughout the whole thing that it's unavoidable. Yeah. It's just like, use the word disheartening. And that's really just like how it feels, especially just because you see this so much with, um, like during this time, because even even in the acting world too, right? So like the actors that portray these characters where this this rampant sexism is apparent, it's also like that in the industry too. So like the older the female actresses, like the older that they got, like their worth and the parts that they got and the roles that they take 
was based on like how they looked and how like how thin they were and all that stuff. So like their worth was measured based on their physical characteristics rather than their ability. So it's true. It's true, and it's sad. And uh, yeah, I mean, we know that's still true today, but. It, this is very rampant in your face 60s version of it which is again it's disheartening um yeah. so that's some of the bad the the good stuff the story is still good like the story is fine overall um it's the same plot right and that we talked about last time i still prefer the Lindsay lohan version but mm-hmm. then again you and i are a product of our time too so it's probably part of it yeah i will say that uh for the good i was pretty impressed by the um like how they were able to do the twins with it being the same person yes still like i was still very impressed with that even like it was just as impressive in 1998 right but it was if you think about it with the way that it was then like that's even more impressive that you couldn't really tell that they were filmed separately yeah they have worse technology and they did it just as well it was super impressive yeah bravo to them yeah, besides good job. So all the other crap. Yeah, besides all that. So what would you rate this one, Katie? Oh my god, I didn't put a rating. Oh man, while you think of it, I will rate this one six poorly strummed guitar strings. It it really threw me out of the movie. Like I can't even overemphasize how much that threw me out of the movie. I'll give it one camp counselor who reads her name on a sheet of paper and then rechecks it because she doesn't know what her name is. <laughs> Okay, I forgot about that, but yeah. Um, if you guys want to watch along with us, what we have coming up next, we're going to do Tom and Huck from 1995. I think I may have seen that once, but I know that you're excited for that one. Uh, it's um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Of course I'm excited. Ah, uh, JTT, classic. And then uh, Pinocchio from 1940. So those are our next two up. Um, and don't forget, we're part of a media network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all of that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe and get it sent right to you. Um, what'd you do for Geekery this week, Katie? I So last episode, I mentioned that I watched Super M's live concert from home. And their concert is actually part of a series of concerts that they're doing with this thing called, um, it's called Beyond Live. And it's basically these live concerts that are streamed right into your home. And they're doing it with this one company um, that has a bunch of different uh groups under them so this coming sun saturday like night is a group called wavy they're a korean slash chinese pop group it's really weird okay well because they're all like half korean and also chinese but technically the group is a chinese pop group because they promote in china um but i've always wanted to see them so i'm really excited that i get to actually see them live because I love all their songs and they're really, really good. And the other members are part of other groups. They're part of this like big group called NCT, which has like 20 something members broken into subgroups. So this is a subgroup of that. Wow. Yeah. And then there's like two more concerts after that. So it's like NCT Dream and then NCT 127, who I saw live in concert um, in person last year. And I'm supposed to see them in June, but I'm assuming that's not going to happen. Probably not. Nope. It's not looking great. Nope, I gave up that dream. But anyways, I spent Sunday night sulking around the house because I was supposed to go see ATs, which is another K-pop group that I absolutely love. And I've been looking forward to seeing them for like a year and a half. 
and I didn't get to see them because of the pandemic. So I watched AT's music videos and waved my <laughs> light stick in my, in my living room. <laughs> nice. That's great. Yeah. And I'm planning on doing that exact same thing this coming Sunday when um, I'm supposed to be at the BTS concert. Except with BTS, I actually have like concert DVDs. So I'll put in a concert and then wave my light stick, which is exactly what I did like three weeks ago at Bang Bang Con, which was like a live streaming of all their concerts with my light stick. But I'll do it by myself, not with my friends <laughs> and not for 12 hours. <laughs> yeah, not for 12 hours, I think is the key difference there. But hey, you're getting your K-pop fix. So that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I started watching uh, Star Trek Picard which I don't know how much I mentioned on this podcast before, but I'm like halfway through the season and it's really good. I want more Star Trek like this. Like it has enough of the classic feel to it, but it also has that like modern twist, right? Where it's it's for streaming. So it's, it's like a consistent storyline. Every episode ties into another. There's no filler arc and it's like a nice compact like 10 episode arc. Like I would love more Star Trek like this. Have you watched any of Picard yet? I have not. I do know that they were doing like you could you could sign up and get a month free or something because it's on CBS Access, right? Yeah. And I don't want to pay for CBS Access at all, but I might do it because I Picard is my favorite captain. Well, yeah, I mean, he's the correct choice. Yeah, all he's he's the only he's the only right choice. That and yes. I and every day uh Sir Patrick Stewart releases a sonnet on Instagram, so he reads a sonnet a day. So why would I not want to watch his TV show? <laughs> Cuz I love him so much. I would love to hear what you think of this one. I got to finish it too and then we could almost do just like a totally off-topic episode about Star Trek Picard. Um but anyway, Picard has been good. And then the other thing is I'm kind of out of new video games just because the pandemic has thrown off release schedules and has pushed things and delayed things. Um so I'm digging into my gaming backlog in a way that I rarely get to do. And I've been playing a bunch of Hitman 2, which is really really good. I love this game. It's fantastic. It has it's not just like a murder game, which is kind of what it sounds like. It's called a hitman. Um, but it is a game where there are these complex levels and the levels all have characters that have their own goals and they're all on these like character loops and they do things that all tie into one another. And it's a game about systems. It's like a puzzle game about systems. And how are you going to go into this level and mess with things to get different things to trigger and happen? Um, and there's so much complexity that goes into it that it just meshes with my brain in the perfect way. I love getting my head into systems and figuring out how they work and then messing with them. And that's literally like what this game is, even though it's framed through Hitman, which is like you're trying to find some people and assassinate them. That's kind of your goal in each level. Um, and just as an example is because all of that is kind of vague. There was one that I did the other day where I pushed a Formula One car driver down an elevator shaft while I was wearing a pink flamingo mascot uniform because I was blackmailing her and it went wrong. And that's just like such a perfect encapsulation of what this game is and why I love it. So yeah, Hitman 2 is really, really good. What? (laughs) Yep. Yep. Video games are good, Katie. Breaking news. Uh, Um... That's probably where we'll end it. For the week you can find us all over the internet our email address is disney forever podcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at disney ever pod um cool and then you can talk to us on uh in real time and by joining our slack workspace or our discord server 
<laughs> I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Geek Teak podcast where we talk about all sorts of things like Hitman 2, but a lot of, lot of other things too uh, with BJ Keaton. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram by following me at Lady Catherine P. Um, I'm also the co-host of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea and our K-pop podcast, You Can't Stop Me Loving K-pop. This has been Disney Forever with Katie and Void. We'll be back next week as long as Disney keeps making content. That can't be forever, right? It's okay if they do as long as they don't have women talking like they're always a damsel in distress. <laughs>